Amen. He has risen. Oh, that wasn't good enough. He has risen. Amen. Welcome, welcome. Was that not just amazing? Oh, my gosh. That little, that little vocal part by Alan, just, you know, just the deep in the soul, that woo. Oh, come on, buddy. A little soul in the house this morning. All right. Let's get right into it. Matthew chapter 27, beginning with verse 50. Then Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, tombs opened, and the bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. And they left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection. They went to the holy city of Jerusalem, and they appeared to many people. Now the Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion, they were terrified by this earthquake. And all that had happened, they said this, this man truly was the Son of God. Now in verse chapter 28. Now it's early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great, again, a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from the heavens, rolled aside the stone, and just sat on it. His face shone like the lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards, they shook with fear as they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. And the angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified, but listen, he isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Come on. Just like he said he would. Just like he said, come, look, see where the body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples this, that he has risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, remember all that I have told you, remember. Now, I got to say, this is pretty funny. Now, now imagine this, mo- this is resurrection morning. And, and the ladies come to the tomb, and you have this encounter with an angel, right? And the angel begins to talk to us humans, right? And, and there's, this, I, there's this reality that angels, you know, up there, and they have a certain understanding about humans, And we're just kind of like, man, we're trying to figure you guys out, but they have this knowledge of us that we don't have of them. And so the angel has this this reality. Listen, if we're going to tell these humans this thing, there's one thing that I know that they do very often, and that's they forget. They forget everything. So listen, you've had this encounter. Remember. Remember this moment. Could you imagine Mary just like going back and what was it I was supposed to do again? There was something, oh yeah, earthquake and an angel and stones rolled away. Like, oh yeah, I almost forgot. Like, remember, remember. Now we want to rewind. And it's Saturday evening. It's uh, coming to a conclusion, the end of the Sabbath. Uh, There had been a great celebration there in Jerusalem. And the Sabbath is coming to an end. And see, for, for us, we kind of look at things as sunrise and sunset. But for them, it was sunset and sunrise. 
And they get that from Genesis 1 where God says, and there was evening and morning the first day, and evening and morning the second day. And so for them, it's like, okay, when the sun sets, when it becomes evening time, then we can go out because you couldn't do anything on that Sabbath day. So, so, so the sun is setting, and quickly she's, Mary realizes, listen, that there's a body in a grave, and, and we've got to get some spices. We've got, we've got to prepare and get everything ready for Jesus' body, and, and it's supposed to be a day of rest. But I guarantee you nobody was resting that day. They had just seen their Savior on a cross. All of their hopes, all of their dreams, and now it just feels like all is lost. And for Mary, all she could think about is, as soon as I can get out, I've got to go get some spices. And the Bible doesn't tell us much about what happened on that Saturday. There's this kind of silence. And it's kind of weird because you would think, if you were there and you walked with Jesus day in and day out, and you saw some of the things that Jesus did, and you heard the message that Jesus preached, and he even told people, listen, I'm going to rise from the dead on the third day. You think somebody, somebody would have put their hand up and been like, guys, I think he's coming back. I mean, if anybody, it should have been Lazarus. Lazarus should have been there and, listen, guys, I know everybody's kind of depressed right now, but I'm telling you there's a chance. Like, if anyone should have known, there should have been like, I know we just feel like that grave, like he's still in the grave. But I'm telling you, there's hope, there's hope, but there's none of that. And it's kind of frustrating because we could look back and we could read the story and we could see where Jesus obviously told every one of the disciples, he told the crowds that he was around, listen, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to rise again on the third day. But no one understood him. And we could look back and say, well, how come people just didn't understand? And I find that it's, it's, it's obvious when we look in the rear view, right? You can look back at moments of your life and then you wish that, like, oh, I should have known that then. I wish that I knew what I know now. When I was younger, I would have invested in Amazon, you know? <laughs> I would have listened to the, you know, fifth grade Algebra 2 teacher. That stuff's important now. You know, all of those things. Like, I actually would have listened to my parents, right? You grow up and you realize, okay, they, you know, maybe they did know a few things. But then you have kids. And then those kids start acting as crazy as you act when you were a kid. And then you just, you want to beat them. And then the reality is you want to beat the you out of them, right? You're mad at them because it looks a whole lot like Garrett. And you're like, kid about, mm. And then you remember, like, that was me, and then it was my mom. And then they grow up, and then they have kids. And then there's this big cycle that just keeps going in and out of. And you're just like, ha. and we look back, and we look at the disciples, and we just see the cycle over and over. But hope is gone, and Mary is on a mission to buy these spices. I've got to get there. I've got to buy these spices. And I think there's the reality of God saying this morning that, you don't need those spices anymore. You don't need those spices anymore. Some of us have been preparing ourselves, preparing our spices for a future that no longer exists. You've been preparing things and you're getting all stressed out and I've got to do this. And God said, I've already taken care of that. Preparing ourselves for a life that just doesn't exist anymore. We love to preserve the past, right? We can't remember the past, but we'll preserve it. It's just, you know, the, the disciples had this idea of what the kingdom should look like. 
And, and so all of Jesus' ministry, they're just on this quest to get Jesus to create a, 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 a kingdom that looks like what they've seen before. And it didn't matter what Jesus said. I told you plainly, it's not going to look like other people's kingdoms. But that's what was in their minds. That's what was going to happen. And now hope is lost. And the reality is we could come to Christ. But each one of us, when we came, we brought with us our spices. We brought with us our own desires. We brought with us our own expectations of just what Jesus should do and how that should look. We brought, we brought the spices of God. Here, here it is. I give it to you as long as you do it this way. And I think God's just saying, you don't have to stress anymore. You could just enjoy the Sabbath because I'm coming back. You could rest. I am your Sabbath rest. You've been so busy preparing these spices, you're not going to need them. And, and not only is Mary stressed about these spices, you, you imagine the moment. Now it's, it's, it's early resurrection morning, and, and it's Mary and the other Mary, just you know, two Marys. Let's find someone that thinks just like us, who looks just like us, and has the same stress that we have. And they're walking to the tomb, and they're still stressed out because now all of a sudden there's another problem. We've gotten the spices, but there's a big, there's a big stone in our way. And how are we going to move this stone? So you're there, and you're, you're just kind of eavesdrop on this conversation. You know, how are we going to do it? And they're just going through their minds of like, I don't know, we could call Tim Carter. Tim Carter come out there, he could bring his tractor, we can move the stone, we could rent a crane. And, and I just love the fact that like, it's, it's ladies, you know, doing this, because I think if it was guys trying to figure it out, you see Peter over there just like, guys, I got this. <laughs> you know, I've been working out, this tomb, no big deal, a little P90X, a little CrossFit, Watch this, John. You know, like the, the guys would think, we, we, we could handle it. We, 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 could, we could handle this stone in our way. But the reality is, there are some stones in your life that no matter how strong you are, no matter how smart you are, no matter how much money you have, you can't roll that stone on your own. You need a savior. Amen. This past January, uh, I had a stone in my life that I couldn't move. And uh, some of y'all already know where I'm going with this. I thought, I, I thought I'd ease into it, but no, no, y'all know. It's January, we're praying, we're fasting. I wake up one morning, and all of a sudden, there's this incredible pain in my body. And I knew, that's happened before, so I knew real quick, this is a kidney stone. I was like, oh, no, oh, no. Hospital, hospital, baby, Hospital. And uh, we have the kids there, and the kids are trying to, Devin's trying to get the kids ready for school. I'm like, I don't care, you know, like at this point, like they don't have to go to school. I don't, you know, just, just you know, they don't have to go to school ever again. Just give me to the hospital. And, you know, and Devin's like, no, they got to go to school. I'm like, call Tim Carter. See, that's like, Tim Carter's my Holy Spirit. I just, you know, if there's a problem, you call Tim. So Devin calls Tim. Tim comes running over. Tim's taking me to the hospital. We're in the car, like, I'm holding his hand, y'all. Like, I don't care, grown man or not. I'm holding my brother's hand. Just, Tim, just get me there. Just get me there. Tim, 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 Tim. Beep the horn. You got your hazards on. He's got his hazards on. He's like, you ain't driving fast enough, Tim. I'll pay the ticket, brother. Just get there. You know, and Tim's just kind of this good old slow country boy. I'm like, it ain't the time, Tim. It ain't the time, brother. You need to go. And he's going, and, like, people are all in the way. I'm like, do y'all not see the hazard lights? And we're going and beeping, and I'm just yelling out the window, and I'm trying to pray. 
And Tim will tell you, I'm trying to pray, but the only word that comes out is Jesus. It's Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And I get to the hospital, and then, um, you know, they make you wait. <laughs> I'm like, y'all, this is an emergency. And, uh, you know, I'm waiting, and Tim's like, well, I'm going to work. I'm like, Holy Spirit, you'll never leave me. Forsake me. But he went to work. And, and I'm waiting. They finally get me in, and uh, Devin comes, and, and then, really, you know, I can't move the stone. And the doctor's like, well, you know, can you try to pass it? <laughs> stone pass, you know. And they're shooting me up with uh, a first morphine, and then they shot me up with this stuff called Dilaudin, which is supposed to be like morphine on crack. And like they max me out. The doctor comes in there like, what's your pain level on one to 10? 27, 27 doc, 27. And she's like, we can't give you any more, it could kill you. And I'm like, could you just punch me in the face? Like, this hurts so bad, it's literally done nothing to me. I mean, I'm, I'm in tears, I'm crying. Uh, and finally, you know, they get me in, they do the surgery, and when they do the surgery, they put this, uh, this line in my body that, that goes all the way, I think, into my right hemisphere of my brain. And uh, I, I, I have that thing in me for a few days, and I have to actually go back to the hospital on the third day. And uh, <laughs> I'm not just serious, ask my wife. So you'll see us on the third day, okay. So I, I go there, and we go back, and the nurse, um, you know, count to three, and she rips this thing. Yeah, 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 the stone was rolled away. And uh, <laughs> I go home, and, and I'm just kind of hurting. And they're like, oh, you'll feel sore for a little while, but you'll be okay. And I'm like, oh, okay. But it starts hurting again. I'm like, this ain't right. Whenever she ripped that thing out, she took a liver, a kidney, <laughs> something's wrong. Anyway. We get there, we call again. They're like, no, 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 just give them a Tylenol. I'm like, listen, you know, no. anyway, so I go, I'm like, Devin, uh -uh, this is hospital worthy. Call Alan. You know, the one Holy Spirit already left me, so then Alan comes. <laughs> Alan's watching the kids. We go back to the hospital, and then I learn the trick on how to get into the ER quickly. You simply throw up all over their uh, front door. <laughs> you get right in, I'm telling you. They tell you, right, right here, Mr. Granger, come on. So... Uh, I get in there, and I, I this time, a second stone. And I'm like, this is not supposed to happen back to back, a second stone. And, 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 and I just realized, like, God, you know, you're in that moment, and you start making deals with Jesus. <laughs> I'll do whatever, God. I promise. I don't know what I've done, but if I did something bad, just forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And just, Lord, I'll, I'll never do that. I'll never yell at my wife again. I'll never complain about the chicken again. I never, she, she cook whatever she wants, Jesus. She just, she wasn't in the room at this time, so she didn't hear none of this. And then, uh, you know, just, I'll do whatever, and then I'm making all these deals. And, and I'm just thinking I could remember uh, the, the, this moment, and, and, you know, finally everything's good. And I leave, I leave the hospital, I go out, and then I get in my car the next day. And I kid you not, I turn on the radio, and Lauren Daigle comes on. And the song that she's singing, he's still rolling stones. He keeps rolling, rolling. He's still rolling stones. <laughs> All right, Lord. All right, Lord. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm sorry. Rolling stones. There's some stones that no matter how strong you are, you can't roll. And I think about Mary, and I think about this moment 
where all of her hope and all of her dreams and the sadness and the pain and the sorrow that she feels in her heart, and she's walking to this tomb, and she realized, we can't move this stone. We can't roll it. What are we going to do? I, I can't go back to living the way I was. I can't go back to being that same girl. I can't, I can't, I remember those things and those, there was those things in my body and I just, Jesus has saved me, but now he's gone and I, I can't go back. Jesus, what, why did you leave me? Why is this? And just, I'm bringing all of these spices. I don't know how we're going to move this thing. All, all, all of my hope is gone. Jesus, it can't be this way. And then she arrives and the angel is sitting there. And I love it because the angel, there's this kind of just nonchalant, you know, what, what are you doing here? What are, what, what are you doing here, Mary? Why are you looking among the dead for someone that is alive? What are you doing here? And to which she's just like, I, I'm looking, you know, somebody, I don't understand if the stone's rolled away. Have they taken his body? She still can't see it. Hope is just lost. What are you doing here? I remember... Uh, I believe it's in First Kings where Elijah is there, and he's just had this moment where incredible things have happened. Miracles have happened. God's done just, just powerful things. But now this woman has threatened his life, and he finds himself running for his life to this cave all by himself. And he's just whining to God. And he's whining, God, I'm all alone out here. I'm the only prophet left. Everyone else has, has forsaken you. Everyone else is doing all these things. Only I have done this. And God lets him whine him. And then God comes and there's this, there's this earthquake. And, and there's fire and there's lightning and there's thunder and there's all these things. And then God speaks to him. He says, what are you doing here? What are you doing here, Elijah? And then Elijah whines to him again. Tells him all those things. I'm the only one left. And then God clears it right up. Listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you to leave this place. And then you're going to go and you're going to anoint this guy. And you're going to anoint this other guy. And then you're going to anoint this other guy. And then listen, by the way, there's also 7,000 other people who haven't bowed their knee to the prophet of Baal. In other words, you think you're alone. You think you're the only one. There's a whole bunch out there. And see, Elijah, you've, you've, you've isolated yourself. You've let this fear take over. And anytime you isolate yourself and let the fear take over, you begin to tell yourself a false narrative. You begin to tell yourself these stories. You begin to pack your spices and hide in caves. And the angel reminds us, why are you looking for the living among the dead? This God is alive. And God's there with Elijah. And, and, and it's funny because it says that there's this earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And, and, and there was this, this fire and this wind and all this, and God was there. And he spoke to him in a still, small voice, which is really incredible because it's kind of the opposite in the New Testament. We find these earthquakes, and God was in the earthquake. And we find an axe whenever we open up this book, all of a sudden we find like this wind comes into the upper room and all of a sudden they have these tongues that were like fire and God's in all of this. So anytime we try to just put God in a box, God's just like, no, I'll just, I'll just shatter that box. So you thought I didn't show up in this, so I show up in the still small voice. I show up in the earthquakes. I show up in the fire. I show up in all of these things. And every time there's this earthquake, 
It precedes his voice. And the voice is simply saying, no, there's victory over death. There's a victory over this situation. The stone is rolled away. There is resurrection hope. There was an earthquake for Elijah. There was an earthquake whenever he hung on that cross and he shouted out with that loud voice, it is finished. Father, unto you I commit my spirit. And he breathed his last. And the ground shook. And the veil was torn in two. Like, this is an important moment. And the reason why it's so important, because when this happens, it says this, that this Roman soldier looked up at Jesus and said this, surely this is the Son of God. This is important because this Roman soldier, we don't know, this could have been the very soldier that put the nail in his hand. This could have been the very soldier who was casting lots for his garment. This could have been the, the very soldier that was mocking him just a few minutes ago. And now, all of a sudden, he's giving testimony to Jesus as being the Son of God. Did you catch that? It wasn't all of Jesus' miracles that caused him to believe. It was how he died. All of a sudden, there was this realization that, that, that man, he had all of the power over all of creation, and yet he still died for us. The ground is shaking. The veil is torn. All of this upon his death. Church, I'm telling you, how we die matters. See, sometimes I think it's like we just want all the power, the power, the power. See, but Jesus shows us right here what he does with that power. He uses that power to lay down his life. He uses the very power that he could have called down 10,000 angels. But he used that power to say, no, no, nobody put me here. I chose this myself. And he stayed on that cross. And that's what gave testimony to this unbelieving Roman soldier to say, no, 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 no. Look at how he died. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. See, sometimes I think we want to exert our rights we have this right. We have, the world is watching how we die. The world is watching how we lay down our rights. The world is watching how we respond to when they persecute us. Lord, I lay it all down. But here's what's crazy. The ground can shake. The veil can be rent. And some don't even notice. And some of those are the ones even closest to Jesus. See, all Mary could think about I need to buy these spices, and there's a stone in my way. All Elijah could think about was, man, I'm alone in this cave, and I'm the only one. And we've got to stop telling ourselves a story that's just not true. Why are you looking for the dead? Why are you, why are you here? What are you doing here? I think it's start time we, look in, we start looking for a risen Christ. We start expecting, no, 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 I, I, I didn't come to church for a band and a sermon. I came to church to meet Jesus. I'm looking for a risen Christ, a risen Christ. And here's what's, I think one of the steps toward that is you've got to do it while it's still dark. You've got to do it while it's still dark. It says early that morning, while it was still dark, they headed to the tomb. Before that doctor's report comes back. 
before everything in your life lines up just the way you want it to do. You've got to start moving toward Jesus while it's still dark. You've got to start moving towards him in faith. When God, I don't understand how you're going to roll this stone away. I don't know how you're going to do these things. But while it's still dark, God, I'm going to seek you. God, I know it seems like this marriage is all but done. I seem there's no hope. But God, I'm going to move towards you. And see, and that, this is the beauty of our Savior. It doesn't matter how we come, just that we come. It doesn't matter if you come and you come full, full of doubt and, and, and sorrow and pain and hurt, or if you come with, with the joy of, uh, of, of just life or whatever it is, just that you come, that you come to him. I love in the scriptures in another gospel, it tells us, listen, go and tell the disciples and Peter, like, and Peter. It's like, hold on, wait a minute. I thought he was like the disciple of the disciples. He was the leader. Make sure you go tell the disciples. Oh, and Peter. Like, we want to thank the band and the drummer. <laughs> you know? It's just like, wait, I'm a part of the band too, guys. I love my brother. And uh, see, but Peter just had this moment where, man, I've, I've sold him out. I've sold him out. I've messed up big time. And I think there's just this reality of what the scripture is saying. Listen, go and tell all the disciples, whether they're holding fast or whether they've just made the biggest mistake in their entire life. If you showed up this morning, but last night you just made the biggest mistake of your entire life. Jesus is saying, go and tell everybody, and you, and Lucas, and Bridget, and Cain, tell everybody, he's risen. He is risen. Go tell the Pharisees. Go tell the rich. Go tell the poor. Go tell the broken. Go tell the failures. Go tell the successes. Go tell the soldiers. He is risen. Come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. And all of those spices that you come to me with, I'll show you how to repurpose them. I'll take all of that pain and all of that hurt and I'll turn it into something beautiful. We serve a God who works all things for the good. So if you're in a room and like Peter, you feel like you've messed up, or if you're in the room and you're like Mary, you came looking for a dead savior. And what I mean by that is, maybe for a long time in your life, you serve a God and you believe that he heals, he heals everybody but you. You believe in a God who saves, and he'll save everybody but you. You believe in a God who speaks, he'll speak to everyone but you. You believe in a God who can shake the ground and cause men and women to come out of it, but not you. That's not your story. And like that angel sitting on the tomb, you've been looking, and he just says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Come to Christ come to Christ. Don't come to church. Come to Christ. Don't come to whatever it is. Leave those spices at home. You don't need them anymore. I'm asking everyone to please stand. At the end of the book of John, chapter 20, verse 10, there's this verse that happens right after the resurrection. And there's four simple words in the verse in John 20, 10. It says, and then they went home. And then they went home. And I think about that. The, the earth has shaken. 
Christ has resurrected. There's been an encounter with an angel. Uh, the, the veil has been torn. The dead in Christ have risen. Like, I mean, talk about miracles that are happening. I mean, imagine if you saw people that were once dead and now their tombs are busted open and they're walking around. Like, Jeff, I haven't seen you in weeks. Oh, my gosh, it's, it's Jeff. And all of these, I mean, this is, this is the most amazing moment in all of human history. But it says, and then they went home. Peter went fishing. There was still work to be done. The Romans were still in control. There were still things that had to take place. Everything on the outside looked normal. The ground has shaken beneath your feet. And yet somehow everything still has stayed the same. Well, well, well what's next? What's now? And, and Jesus is very clear. This is your next step. Whatever you do, don't leave Jerusalem. Because you need the Holy Spirit. He's very clear that, listen, you've been living this life, and for so long, disciples, you've lived with me around you. But now, you need to live with me in you. This is your next step. To serve a God who's not just the God of those around you, but the God who's in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Because here's the thing. Then they went home. You'll still go home. You're still going to have a fight with your spouse. Your kids are still going to like, get this one. Your boss is still going to be that guy. But when you have Christ in you, it changes everything. It changes the way we work. It changes the way we parent. It changes the way we come to church. It changes the way we interact with our boss. It changes the way we live and breathe and move. It changes everything with Christ in you, all of this. I, I come in and I, I bring all my pain and I bring all of my hurt and I bring all of my spices and I bring all of my worries and cares and I don't know how the stone is going to break, but I bring it to you, Jesus, and somehow you repurpose it. You use all of this because, like, God, there's moments where the ground shakes, but Monday is still Monday. And we can celebrate resurrection, but somebody's going to get a speeding ticket on the way home. Come on, they out there this morning. Mr. Stanley will tell you about it. <laughs> Early that morning, you know. The ground is shaking today, church. The ground is shaking today. And the last words that the angel says to him, listen, human, don't forget. Remember. When you leave this place, you leave and you'll go home. But don't let it just be once on Easter Sunday once a year. All the other 364 more days, remember, he has risen. We just worship you this morning, Lord. Lord, we just give you all of the praise and all of the glory. God, you are the risen king. You are above all. Lord, you roll every stone away. God, you make a way where there seems no way, God. And we are just so grateful and we're humbled by your holiness that while we were yet sinners, you died for us.
And so we come to you this morning. And this morning, just with every head bowed, with every eye closed, if you're in the room, when there's a person in here that maybe you don't know him, may today be the day of your salvation. The earth has shaken beneath your feet, and today is the day you just, God, I give these spices to you. I've been trying to do it in my own strength. I've been, I just came out of what was supposed to be rest, but the truth is I'm stressed out, and I just need to give my life to you. Or maybe you're in the room, and you've been following Jesus, but you've been, you've just been coming to the tomb, and you've been expecting, well, a dead Jesus. And you just need to renew and just, God, God, forgive me. You're a God that's alive. You're alive in my life and my, my work and my marriage and my finances and my family. God, I return to you. I invite you in. If that's you and you're in the room this morning, you're one of those cats, and you just need Jesus, I'm going to ask you to put your hand real high in the air where I could see it. Say, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'm asking everyone to pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, God, I need you. Fill me up, Lord. Lord, I repent. My life is yours. I am yours. You are mine. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen, amen. Guys, can we give it up? We had someone in the house. Okay, that's the biggest miracle. Lives changed. Come on, let's take a minute. Let's just worship together.